Good morning, everyone. Welcome this morning. Happy Easter. It's good to be together. We're, uh, we're a big family this morning because we also have uh, young people in the room. And I want you to know, uh, young people, that if you're, especially like around 10 to 13 years old, I've targeted you. You're my audience this morning, right? I've tra- I'm going to try and make it so that you guys can stay engaged. If you're older or younger than that, I've got maps, hot air balloons, and uh, a flashlight so that you can understand as well, all right? Let's pray together. Thanks, Father, that we can gather uh, within these walls and online and listen for your voice. Uh, We pause today, once a year, to celebrate the profound nature of something that has happened once in history that changed the course of history. I pray that you'd open our eyes to the realities that your resurrection carries for us today in our moments together. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the end of the scripture there, when the women say that uh, Jesus is risen, we're told that the disciples thought it was, depending on your translation, nonsense or an idle tale, or the disciples thought the women were making it all up. That's what you've read in the message, right? And so today I want to share with you why I believe this isn't an idle tale, and why believing this event in history matters so much. Some people say the disciples wanted to preserve their organization and their power that they gained, and so they made up a story that Jesus rose from the dead in order to keep everything going, But there are some problems with this idea. The first of which is that uh, in this story, women were the first witnesses. And I don't know if you know this, but if they were making up a story to prove that Jesus rose from the dead, that would not have been the story that they would have written. Because back in the day, uh, women's testimony had no credibility in a court of law. Even as late as the 20th century in America, women weren't allowed on juries because uh, it was thought that women didn't have enough judgment to figure out what is true and what is false. So uh, if they're making up the story, women are not the first witnesses. Second, the people who became the early church suffered a lot, and if they knew that Jesus was dead, I doubt they would have continued to suffer the way that they did and die for this thing that they knew that was a lie. And finally, all anyone needed to do in those early days to prove that Jesus died would be to produce a body. Who in the room has ever gone to a Husky football game? Anybody in the room? So when I lived up in the mountains uh, 35 years ago or so, I went to a Husky football game. A friend had invited me. We were going to meet at the game. I parked in the Wallingford neighborhood. I walked to the stadium. I met him. We went to the game. I came home. I couldn't find my car. And I was certain that my car had been stolen. So I knocked on the door of a random house. (laughs) I said, can I use your phone? I need to call the police. My car's been stolen. The police kindly came, said to me, uh, looked at my license actually, and said, oh, you're from Rockport, Washington, which is like the middle of nowhere. He said, before we panic here, let's just drive around a bit, right? (laughs) So I got in the police car. We drove this street, this street, and the third street that we drove up, boom, there's my car. It's right there. And uh, so the police needed to prove that my car wasn't stolen. It was very easy. How? Find the car. And if you wanted to prove that Jesus had been killed, that also would be very easy. 
What? Show the body. And to this day, nobody has. So when people ask me why I believe, those are at least three reasons that are all important. But there are other reasons, three other reasons that I want to focus on this morning. And the reasons I want to focus on this morning are important because they're not only reasons to believe, but they're reasons that invite me to change the way I live. And the three reasons are these. God's kingdom is here now and will be forever. God's power is here now and will be forever. God's glory is your gift now and forever. Kingdom, power, and glory. And the context, of course, is if you've been with us for a while, you know that we've been studying the most famous prayer in the world, the Lord's Prayer. And the series ended last week because the way the prayer ends in most versions of the Bible is lead us not into temptation, as we saw last week. Most versions of the Bible end the prayer there, but not all versions. Some add this, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, uh, you 10 to 13-year-olds, don't worry about that, okay? It's not a big deal one way or the other, and here's why. Because whether it's in the original text or not, it's true. Kingdom, power, glory are three things that Jesus wants to see made visible now, and those are the, actually, for me, the three main reasons, I believe, and we're going to look at those this morning, and we begin with this, God's kingdom is here now and will be forever. Now, uh, when you think about kingdoms, you realize kingdoms are really important, right? And we can use the word nation instead of kingdom. Nations fight each other over where boundaries between kingdoms will be. This is why we have wars, including the present war in Ukraine. We fight. We think that if we win, our kingdom will carry on forever. But I want you to know, no kingdom carries on forever. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 22 to 24, this is what we read. God sits enthroned above the circle of the, of the earth, and the people are like grasshoppers, and he brings princes to nothing and reduces rulers to nothing. No sooner is a nation planted, no sooner is it sown, no sooner does it take root in the ground, than uh, it blows away and is withered, and the whirlwind sweeps the nation away like the chaff. So nations rise and nations fall. And every nation fights within itself as well, over and over again, about who gets power, what the rules will be, who would be in charge. That's why we have civil wars. And even families can be little kingdoms within a family system. You know, who's going to be in charge? And will the person in charge be fair and kind and loving? Or will they be lazy and unfaithful and mean? All these questions matter. And so we think kingdoms matter, and kingdoms do matter. But here's what really matters no kingdom or king ever lasts. And then along comes Jesus, and what does Jesus say? He says, uh, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So let's just unpack that. Yours is the kingdom forever. What makes the kingdom of God good news, and how does it relate to Easter? That's what I'm going to show you right now. The kingdom of God is good news because in God's kingdom, unlike any human kingdom, nobody will be hungry or lonely or left out. When God's kingdom is fully visible, there's no more war, no more civil war, no more school shootings, no more riots, no more family wars. There's enough for everyone. There's peace for everyone. There's celebration. There's joy. There's reconciliation. It's beautiful. And the good news is that this kingdom, we're told, will never end. It says that in Isaiah chapter 9, right? Of his kingdom, there will be no end. How does this relate to Easter? Well, it's very interesting one of the reasons the disciples had a hard time believing that Jesus rose from the dead 
is because in the Bible it says that when God's son reigns, the kingdom will never end. And now here are the disciples and they're watching their leader hang on a cross having been betrayed by one of their own. They even saw the perpetrators of the crime mocking Jesus. They called him a king. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They put a sign on the cross saying he's the king of the Jews. They told him to come down off the cross to prove that he's a king and he didn't. In fact, nearly the opposite, he cried out to God and said, God, why have you forsaken me? If you'd been a follower and you knew the Isaiah 9 passage that the the Messiah's kingdom would never end, you might have stopped believing right then. And you might have said, you know what? It's over. But actually, this is all part of the plan because Jesus is a suffering servant, a wounded healer, the one who absorbed violence and power seeking uh, by laying aside all power and allowing himself to be the victim of ultimate unjust violence, seeking in so doing to bring about a new reign. And then uh, it looked like any notion of him having a kingdom was coming to an end, but the kingdom was just getting started. Because he rose from the dead, he appeared to people, his kingdom would take on new life through the 120 believers who saw him alive, Each of them would be filled with divine life when the Holy Spirit came upon them. They'd be empowered to serve as the subjects of the eternal kingdom because they'd be filled with nothing less than the life of the resurrected Savior. Christ's life alive in them would make God's kingdom visible here, now. That's really good news. So down through the ages, the followers of Christ who have this king living in them would stand out in contrast to every other kind of kingdom, in contrast to the dominating power structures of the world, they'd care for the poor instead of oppress. They'd heal the sick instead of neglect. They'd herald peace instead of resorting to violence. They'd walk in solidarity with those who are suffering instead of turning away from those on the margins. They'd proclaim liberation in Jesus' name, justice in Jesus' name, forgiveness in Jesus' name, reconciliation in Jesus' name, healing in Jesus' name. Our hearts long for that kind of a world, and that's the kingdom of God. This kingdom of this king's reign will never end. That's why I believe. I want to be part of a story that is going on for the rest of eternity that's about reconciliation and hope and healing and forgiveness and joy and celebration and enough for all, shalom. And by the way, this kingdom is not the kingdom of Christianity, whether Catholic, Protestant, emergent, mainline, non-denominational. Those are institutions and every institution is flawed. There's scandals, there's power scandals, inquisitions, witch burnings, power struggles, financial scandals, crusades, The kingdom is in the midst of organizations, but it's not the organizations. The systems are not the kingdom. The invisible kingdom is alive and well today, right in this room, because the king of the kingdom is alive and well and risen indeed, right? So without the resurrection, there's no king, and therefore no kingdom. But Hebrews 12, 28 and 29 says, we are receiving a kingdom, watch this, that can never be shaken, right? Can never be shaken. So if you were holding my Bible and I shook it, I shook you hard enough, what would you do? You'd probably end up letting go. And what we're told is this kingdom will never be shaken. God will never let go. That's our hope. It's a very important hope. Because we turn on the news and it's a school shooting. Followed by the arrest of an ex-president. Followed by Russia moving nukes into Belarus. Followed by Arctic currents shifting as the ice caps melt, which will hasten the warming of the planet. 
followed by corruption and lies and all of it paid for with ads for drugs to help you sleep better. And the only reason you need to sleep better is because you're watching the news, right? (laughs) But Jesus says this in Matthew 6, seek my kingdom first and you'll be in God's grand story. You become a person of hope in this world and that's the invitation that we celebrate this morning. There's a second reason, I believe, after I have a drink of water. And the second reason is this. If God's kingdom is here now and will be forever, God's power is here now and will be forever. To explain what this means, I'm going to show you a movie of hot air balloons rising above the earth in just a minute. Because here's the thing. To live in a kingdom that is not of this world with a king that I can't see, is not easy. It requires faith. But it also requires a supernatural power we don't get through self-discipline or exercise or gaining a degree from school. What's required, we need a power to rise above all the things we worry about and fight about most of the time in the same way that hot air balloons rise above the earth. Jesus had that power to rise above the fighting and ego and worry that defines the kingdoms of the world In a world of hate, he had the power to love. In a world of violence, he had the power to disarm rulers and authorities by laying down his life. In a world of greed, he had the power to live simply and generously. In a world of anxiety, he had the power to live as a person of peace. In a world where people were hated and judged and killed, he had the power to love and serve and heal. His power was indeed not of this world, which is why when he was on trial for being a king and was asked if he was a king, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. It's in this world, it'll be woven into the fabric of this world, but the power source of my kingdom is not of this world, it's from above. And then he rose from the dead, and we've been told in the book of Acts that he shared this power to rise above with all of us who believe. But here's our problem. We live in a world right here on the earth of buying and selling, infidelity, cancer, political insanity, inflation, social media making us unhappy with our lives and our bodies and creating a sense of striving, a world of money, travel, beauty, health, friends, and we think that these are the most important things, but the fruit of seeking these things is chronic stress, loneliness, a mental health crisis among young people, families being torn apart, boredom, fear, addiction, and then Jesus says, hey, you're worried about all this stuff, stop, just stop. And then he says this, with my power, you can rise above the fighting and ego and pleasure-seeking and worry that define the kingdoms of this world. In a world of hate, we have the power to love. In a world of violence, we have the power to disarm rulers and authorities by laying down our lives and not asking what's safe, but what's right and doing the right thing. In a world of greed, we have the power to live simply and generously. In a world of anxiety, we have the power to live as a person of peace. In a world where people are hated and judged and killed, we have the power to love and serve and heal. And when I see that power on display, I see evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. And that power is on display in this community. As we serve one another, as we serve our unhoused friends, as we work toward racial reconciliation, as we seek to steward the environment, everything that we do is about declaring that our kingdom, not of this world, is coming into this world. We're making the invisible God visible. And so Colossians 3 says it this way, since our lives are united with this risen Jesus, seek the things above. That's our invitation. Just like a hot air balloon, to fly above so that we have the perspective and power of Christ. 
Political parties rise and fall. Nations rise and fall. Economies rise and fall. Our health comes and goes. There are times of prosperity and poverty, peace and war, sickness, health, darkness, light. Don't panic. Your kingdom can never be shaken, right? So important that we rise above and live in that kingdom. And so my question to you this morning, all of us, are we rising above the kingdoms of this world? And my challenge is every morning this week when I wake up to say this, thank you, God, that by your power, your kingdom can never be shaken. I say it every morning. And then when I turn on the news, my belief system is challenged. And I have to say it again and again and again. But here's the thing. We believe it or we don't. And we gather this morning because we do. And finally, God's glory is your gift, both now and forever. In the Bible, uh, we saw in the kid's story earlier that the closest thing we have to describing glory is the word light, right? And uh, we know this because, particularly in Seattle, we, when we say it's a sunny day, we say, oh, it's a sunny day, it's what? Glorious, right? Or um, when someone's really happy, we say, oh, their face is shining. And in fact, one Bible teacher explains the glory of God in the Bible as all the elements of God's personality, generosity, holiness, mercy, justice, all of God's elements reduced to light. And the light is just so amazing that back in the Old Testament, when Moses wanted to see that glory, God said, well, you can't see it directly. It would kill you. It's too much, right? But picture God's character reduced to light. And in the Old Testament, so bright no one could look at it. But then along comes Jesus, and this is what we read. God became a human. And one translation of John 1.14 reads this way. God became flesh and blood. God moved into the neighborhood. And we looked at God's glory with our own eyes. And we, and we were able to fixate on God's glory and see this one-of-a-kind glory, like the Father, like the Son, generous inside and out, true from uh, start to finish. So God's glory, if God's glory is like light, look at this. Wow, this is really a bright... <laughs> this was a Christmas gift for me, and I always wondered what I was going to do with it until last night. I thought, ah, I finally got a, a reason for this gift, Right? But very bright, very bright, right? And, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says that, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, that glory is now available for us to look at every day, the glory of the risen Jesus. And 2 Corinthians 3 says this, uh, when we turn to the Lord, we see as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. So if this is the glory of God, watch this. Am I brighter? <laughs> I hope so. I can't tell. <laughs> but I believe it. I'm just fixating on the light, right? And as long as I fixate on the light, what's the promise? All reflect the light, the way a mirror does. That's really good. The risen Jesus is the light of the world and wanting to reflect that light on our faces. And so God's glory is here now and will be forever. So whenever I focus on God, I reflect the light. When something stands in the way, not so much. Glory, news. 
<laughs> glory, body image. Glory, financial worries. Glory, political insanity. Glory, it's always there. Strobing you. <laughs> but the question is, what are you looking at? And so as we gather, as we do every year, my prayer this morning is that we ask a couple of questions. What kingdom is your main kingdom? It's not the kingdom of democracy or the United States, as beautiful and important as those are. It's the kingdom of God. It's not the kingdom of upward mobility and consumerism. It's the kingdom of God. Second, what do you need to rise above so you can see from God's perspective rather than getting so angry and disheartened and worried all the time? Need to rise above political discourse? Need to rise above economic worries? Need to rise above health worries? May you know the mind of Christ seated with God above. And finally, I won't turn it on again, but I'll just ask, you know, is there anything standing between you and looking at the glory of God? Because as we look at the glory, as we rise above, and as we seek first God's kingdom, the life that awaits us is the best life. And I say that to you as your friend this morning. I just don't want you to miss it. This is what God has for you. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that we can gather here within these walls listening for your voice. We pray that your Holy Spirit uh, would speak to each one of us. We come here, uh, some of us frequently, some of us annually, some of us not so much. But what a beautiful invitation to be involved in the, in the supernatural hope and justice and healing that is present in this world because you live. So may you speak to each one of us this morning about the next step we can take to follow you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. There'll be prayer team members up here, I believe, who'd be happy to pray with you. As you name the step that God is calling you to take this morning, the thing that's standing between you and God and the glory, uh, what you need to rise above, your commitment to seek God's kingdom first, make this a time of response as you worship the Lord. Mm -hmm.